Welcome into Loserville, folks. A brief intro for this week's episode because I inadvertently nuked the first minute or so of the recording thanks to using this buggy piece of crap software that TC Fleming made me uh, buy. Um, so uh, the only thing you're going to miss out on is the intro that TC Broadnax and uh, the mayor issued a very much too long joint statement. You don't want to read it. Uh, we have Tyler for that. He cracked a couple of good jokes in the first minute, and I just have to apologize for losing those for the listener. But here you go. Do something. Beyond, beyond a commitment to do something, um, you know, there doesn't really seem to be a whole lot new that um, they they are announcing um, in this this joint statement. But seems like it's all much ado about nothing. I don't know if it's helpful because there's a lot that happened between our how we got to this day, a lot that happened, but also nothing that happened, right? So from our our last podcast, um, you know, the Dallas Firefighters Association came out calling for Broadnax to, to step down. Um, there was an article that Sharon Grigsby wrote for the Dallas Morning News on June 13th um, that reported that some of the members had gone, quote, when, in her words, squishy on deciding to oust Johnson. Um, though from when we were doing our podcast, it was less clear whether they even had the votes to begin with. And then there's been this whole blow up over uh, memo gate um, that has also happened in the proceeding where some of the members of council uh, are saying that they didn't at all sign the five person memo that was released calling on the special meeting to discuss Broadnax's performance. Um, all very interesting to sort of uh, follow you know, along. So the the five signature memo thing was interesting in that I knew it existed and I wasn't aware at the time that I knew it existed that I wasn't supposed to know it existed because apparently there was already at that point a conflict between the mayor's office and the people who signed this memo about whether it was to be filed and used. Um, so you, listeners will recall the discussion last week of the ridiculousness of the memos, the three signature memo, the five signature memo. And, you know, the three signature memo allows you to get a special called uh, meeting, um, which is the thing that they released at the beginning of this examination of are we going to keep TC Broadnax? And <clears throat> I thought it was interesting because I knew that the mayor was uh, aligned with these people. So I was curious as to why he would want them to be putting forward a memo and why they would go to the three signature memo that only gets them a special called meeting, which people don't actually have to attend. Uh, and then the, fa the fact that there was a five signature memo sitting out there that they apparently were using solely to get TC's attention um, I, it just, it's so bizarre because the mayor, the, the primary power of being Dallas mayor is controlling the agenda. That's, that's really where all the power is. 
And people talk about it being a weak mayor system. And truthfully, what it is, it's a system that gives the mayor exactly as much power as he or she knows how to use. And a lot of our mayors have been particularly bad at knowing how to use that power. Uh, and so it, make, it makes them appear weaker than they are. Uh, if you're Ron fucking Kirk, then you played the council like a fiddle and you got everything you wanted all the time. Uh, and I, I, I defy anyone to describe Ron Kirk as a weak mayor for Dallas. He was an exceptionally strong mayor. Uh, not always for good, <laughs> but you know, uh, I, I haven't, I have yet to have a perfect week myself. So, uh, you know, it, you can, you can vary on, in any case, the whole idea that, that they would do a five signature memo when they had the mayor on their side, supposedly the whole time, why was the mayor? Cause it was apparently the mayor who was demanding that they put a five signature memo together. So, by the time they did that, it seems to me that it's possible that the mayor had already figured out that the votes weren't going to be there and that he was going to file this memo to burn these people. Um, it, you know, they are alleging that they told him in no uncertain terms, this is not a final memo. You can't use this. This is for discussion purposes only. And Tristan Hallman in the, the official statement about why they did this specifically said so that no one could deny that it existed. So it essentially, I mean, this is, uh, I really sort of have come down on the side of these people who signed the memo who claimed that they did not consent to its use. They seem to actually have the more credible story here, even if that sounds weird to people that you would sign something that you didn't want used. Um, the, it, I, I gotta tell you, filing that thing is a real problem. It's a real problem. Under the Public Information Act, that document is a draft policy document. Um, and a draft is defined in the Public Information Act as confidential, and filing it is a violation of the Public Information Act. It's possibly qualifies as forgery under the penal code and it is very explicitly a violation of the city's ethics code um so I, that thing is a bigger deal than it seemed and i think some people might have seen the call of chad west and jesse moreno and uh, adam basildua for an investigation as maybe more dramatic than the situation demanded. But I would actually say it's maybe the opposite. That could be the beginning of something really bad for the mayor. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a very interesting sort of thing to try and read between the lines on. I mean, it seems like a pretty big problem if there are either, you know, I guess one staffers for the council folks who consented to have their boss's signatures added to a memo without telling their bosses, right? Or the mayor's office sort of doing it anyway based on sort of conversations that they had held. Both of those seem to be a pretty awful uh, thing, right? And, and, and Well, that's you know, not exactly the story they're telling. They're the story they're telling says they absolutely consented to have their names added to the memo but that the memo was only supposed was to be, be used yeah. to scare TC into resigning. 
uh, and none of them have used that you know terminology exactly, but that's exactly what they're saying. That I mean, they were trying to, at, at, like we talked about last week, they were trying to bluff him, and TC called him, and and they were left you know with their asses hanging out. Frankly, the thing that's interesting to me is that it's clear that some of the people behind the effort to get rid of TC were counting noses that they did not in fact have. Um, they, they, were, they were fully counting some of these people as always going to vote in favor of getting rid of him. And that was apparently not ever the case. Now, did, those, did the people who went squishy uh, misrepresent their own sentiments about what they would do? I don't know. I wasn't involved in those conversations. But I'll tell you, after the mayor then flips over and declares peace in our time, um, you're, I would say that the, the major result of the nothing happening, as you described it, is everyone's angry at each other. There's, there's going to be an awful lot of strife on council that didn't exist two weeks ago. And I'd be surprised if the mayor has a friend left because two of the people who he burned are people he had been seriously courting as kind of his new group. Uh, and one is somebody who had been with him for a long time. So I don't know who's with the mayor anymore. Yeah, it's, um, I was going and reading full or reading the entire memo again that, um, you know, Chad and Adam and Jesse had sent to, uh, you know, TC requesting a, uh, investigation into what had, had happened, you know, in their memo, they say um, that there was a meeting between Chad West and two other council members on Wednesday, the June 8th, that was the one that, that had been reported that Chad West I think it was Chad and Gay and Tanel Atkins had met with Broadnecks on June 8th. Um, at that point, they had set up a follow-up meeting for June the 13th. Um, and then separately from that, Paula Blackman and Gay met with uh, TC on June the 9th. Um, they allege the mayor's office maintain, maintained the original copy of the memo, did not have the authority to file it. In fact, they say that they expressly told Tristan Hallman the memo should be held for discussion purposes only. Um, and Chad West, Adam, and instructed Tristan Hallman to refrain from filing the memo with the secretary's office. Chad and Adam engaged in multiple conversations with Tristan on June 9th and 10th, and ultimately told him to remove their names from the memo. Um, apparently, in the middle of them having those conversations, they allege that uh, Mr. Haldman um, filed the memo on June 9th at 8.58 a.m. and that the other counselors didn't know anything about it until the media had reached out to them with questions about the copy of the memo that had been released. And that's what I'm saying is credible. And I think yeah. that Tristan's response to why he did that validates the complaints that these people are making right and that was where tristan said so it's authentic authenticity couldn't be questioned um just bizarre 
Also weird that it doesn't seem like who is supposed to be investigating this claim. Um, <laughs> Somebody and... asked me about uh, who ought to do that. And the answer really is the Office of the Inspector, Inspector General. You know, this, this council very stupidly created the OIG's office. We're now going to have a person who is earns a full-time salary. And whether there's anything to investigate or not, you can bet there's going to be some investigation. You know, every, everybody's got to survive their annual review. So this guy's this this guy has nothing to do, by the way. Like it, the number of ethics complaints is vanishingly small, and the number of valid ethics complaints is uh, approaches zero. <laughs> so it's a uh, he should be the one to do it. Um, but you know. I half jokingly, although I would definitely take this job, I'll do it. I know exactly who to ask and what to ask. <laughs> it, um, yeah, when I, from one of the articles I had read, that's apparently the first thing that the inspector general will invest. If it is, in fact, the inspector general, that's the first thing that they've been called on to investigate. That we know um, of, I that think. That we know of, right? Because yeah. I don't think the OIG just sort of reports everything he's looking at. I think he has to produce a, like a compendium of what he's done on a periodic basis. But as an investigator, you don't make an announcement that you're investigating, if you can avoid it. Unless you're James Comey, and then you do. <laughs> <laughs> there are times you have to, um, not that one. <laughs> that was one that, I don't know, maybe could have waited. Possible. Uh, <laughs> Maybe could have waited. So I guess, Philip, you know, given all of this, what do we sort of, of make, I mean, beyond sort of, it's a very messy uh, situation for all of the parties involved, right? And, um, you know, either seems, I mean, I think when the news had first broken, you and I had said something to you to the effect of, you know, like the, the, the adage, you don't try to go for the king, right? Unless you know that you don't can. Miss. Yeah, right. Don't miss. But that, this seems like this was a mess, right? Um, like a if bad mess. And, and it was a miss in part because people who were leading it didn't understand. They, they were either hearing what they wanted to hear from their colleagues um, or they were overestimating their own maybe personal diplomacy, which is a mistake that's very easy to make. You know, when you, normal humans, when they talk to each other, they tend to tell each other, you know, some semblance of what they want. And when they're listening to somebody else, they're generally trying to make an honest assessment of what they're hearing. And that's not how counsel works at all. <laughs> it can work, in fact, in exactly the opposite way. And so I think, I think it was a mix of uh, hubris and inexperience in this kind of effort. Um, and it's just, it's a, it's a result of this council's predilection toward non-disclosure. This is a, this is not an exceptionally transparent council. People are very reticent to make pronouncements and, you know, putting, being on the record and making sort of declaratory statements about where you are it's not necessarily good politics because you can get stuck in a position that you didn't ultimately want to be in. Um, but it's, it's a lot more honest and straightforward way of dealing with things. Um, and <clears throat> just saying where you are, I think is something 
I always felt like it was something I owed to the voters, you know, is not to equivocate and not to be in a position where somebody described me as squishy. If Sharon Grigsby described me as squishy in the morning news, I'd die of shame. <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, it, yeah, it, it just seems like a massive miscalculation. And, and I don't know, you know, did, did Eric get so excited that this thing that he had been wanting to happen for so long uh, seemed like it was within reach that he just sort of jumped the gun on the whole thing. You know, he's sort of playing it, at least in the sense of being like, well, this was actually all part of the greater plan, right? That they weren't really going to fire him, that they were just trying to to scare him a little bit and to be able to take things seriously. And now, you know, we're able to get down to work for the good of the people of Dallas. Well, if that's really what he's saying, that's BS. The record doesn't match that. No one will remember it that way. Um, the I will tell you that, you know, everybody makes, everybody spins a narrative after the fact that makes them look good, right? Um, some of the people who jumped off of the wagon uh, and decided to be squishy or whatever are saying that part of what happened was, was that Eric running his mouth made that position politically untenable. That if he had kept his mouth shut, they, they would have gone through the exercise of having the closed door executive session. And there may have been enough momentum on council to um, fire TC. Uh, now, I've talked with another person sort of close to this whose who's reaction to that was, wait a minute, Eric running his mouth changes your mind about who should be running the city? And that is a necessary outcome of the things that they are saying. Uh, but it's also true that when someone like the mayor runs his mouth, he does uh, drive away support. He, 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 does, he, he isn't helping himself. And, and truthfully, his timing on the sort of crowing that he was doing ahead of this deal did look like hubris. And, and, you know, that that's not attractive to anybody. Especially not for someone who seems to exude that on uh, a fairly regular basis. Uh, <laughs> trying to follow this saga, just on a side note, I have uh, turned on uh, tweet notifications for uh, the mayor just to see when the, the latest news is out. Uh, and man, the stuff that that guy puts out there is just, uh, it's fascinating, uh, but an interesting window into uh, his uh, thinking about all things and how they revolve around around him. His quote from the article where it sort of leads me to say this was all part of the greater plan, um, you know, he said in it, quote, um, conflict is not pretty, but it comes with the territory and jobs like these. Being a mayor or city manager is not for the faint of heart. And frankly, sometimes you need conflict out in the open to reach new levels of understanding. That is what has happened here. Um, I believe the city manager understands more clearly than ever before that I am never going to stop fighting for my city and its people. And he knows that I am willing to pull every lever I have available to me as mayor to advocate for what I believe is right for Dallas, end quote. Is, um, is, that, a, is that how you would describe the last uh, uh, two years? <laughs> uh, I, or three years? I guess it's three years now. 
of the Johnson administration? Is that nonstop fighting for his people? His people. Well, I think his people are, if it's an audience of one being Eric Johnson, yes. Um, Perhaps Ray Hunt is in there somewhere. <laughs> Ray Hunt, yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Fighting for his people. Uh, at the very, if we take him at his word and an incredibly literal reading of it at that, that's probably, probably the case. Um, you know, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's an extraordinary thing. I also don't get sort of the, the juxtaposition between him saying that he still thinks that change is necessary, but that they've, you know, they're coming to peace on a way forward. Like that doesn't seem... You know, I don't know. I think this feels like the status quo of there's still well, and, problems. And here's, and here's the thing that's going to be interesting in August for Eric, who's just alienated this group that had come together around this idea of getting rid of TC. I guarantee he didn't consult with them before he issued the statement. And those <clears throat> priorities, the five things that they're committing to improve, are those council's priorities? How do we know? And how does Eric know? How does TC know? If TC is committing to do what the mayor wants, that doesn't sound like eight members of council to me. And they're going to have an evaluation in August. Did you notice how TC has now managed to move his evaluation to August when it started out in February? <laughs> um, the, uh, you know, it, there is every possibility that they get through this evaluation and they ask TC to leave by the end of the year. And then what does Eric look like? Mm -hmm. Like, er, er, <laughs> this is some plan with fire, man. Sometimes, you know, I'm generally a fan of, you know, you, you never give up, that most of your losses are a result of giving up. But every now and then it's important to recognize when one should take an L and be quiet. Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, I think definitely an important skill set for every politician. I don't think this um, excessively long memorandum that the two of these guys issued is going to do them any favors long term. Um, for one thing, God help us, could we hire them an editor? Um, and I mean, this is well, just- Well, Tristan Hallman, I think has like five jobs at City Hall. So it's hard for one man to- be all things right well and it's really hard when you give people advice that they literally never ever take <laughs> he's uh what so he's the chief of policy communications and the interim chief of staff uh i don't that's a lot for one man the i mean the the long-term story of that is that the the johnson administration has had an exceedingly hard time hiring it took them forever to staff up when he got elected because nobody wanted to work there. That's incredibly shocking. <laughs> Just incredibly, incredibly shocking. Well, they all went to work for Commit or uh, Ray Hunt or the Ted Cruz campaign, right? I mean, that's, or Greg Abbott. It yeah, is. we there are thousands of bridges in Texas and there's a shortage of trolls. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is a very odd, I mean, this memo, uh, incredibly lengthy, and yeah, I, I would agree with you, you know, Philip, I, I do not quite understand the point of putting all of this out in public, especially with the delay that is coming in the timing, right? Like, to me, if you've agreed to make peace for this time, and you're going to pick up the work in August, 
I, why lay out this whole 100 days and promise this plan that is forthcoming um, to take immediate action on these different focus areas if those are all the things that were supposed to be happening all along, right? Like that, it's like- Oh, I think, I think the timing is because Eric does understand that he's taking a risk, that there is a risk that in August, the council does something different than he announced that he wanted. And I think he's trying to push public opinion because I think Eric still believes that when he makes statements to the media that he's speaking to you know, the silent majority and that he's actually shaping public opinion. <clears throat> I think there's some polling recently that, that we should get to in a minute that says that yeah. maybe it, that isn't working. Um, but uh, that's what I think he's doing is it, it's either that or it's, it, you just have to chalk it all up to um, massive narcissism. And that seems like kind of a cop out, even if it happens to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the polling piece is interesting. That happened in the middle of this too, right? So what the, they had released the poll that they had done on a, and this is a weird hypothetical, like I don't understand quite the point of, of testing one hypothetical. The design matchup. was bad. Right, I mean, so the, it, uh, yeah. But they the, what they polled was, who are you voting for for mayor in 2023? Which first of all, it's way too early to poll that. Like it's very difficult to get meaningful numbers out of it. But then they didn't poll all of the likely names. They only polled Michael Inahosa, um, who has Which, definitely- did we met, Has he announced? Did I miss no, that? He's not announced. He said he is evaluating it. Um, you, you know, uh, so it, there's a, as you know, from being in this game for a long time, there's a whole uh, way to translate political statements concerning whether you're running for office. If somebody says, uh, I am definitely not running for office, I am not a candidate for that office and have no plans to be, uh, or no, 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 let's start with the extreme. I will not run for that office. Correct. That means maybe. Right, yes, yeah. <laughs> If, if you they say, put the word at this time, yeah. that means they're running. Right? That's, I'm just not going to tell you today. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's there's a whole deal. So anyway, to not. So then you if Mike Linehosa says he's evaluating it, then you have to poll him. But there are so many other names out there that have said basically the same thing that they didn't poll. And there are, there are interesting names, in my opinion. Um, Lynn McBee has actually moved to Dallas. Did I tell you this? Yeah, so you were talking to uh, yeah, TC and I about that, yeah. Yeah, I went, to, I went to a thing at her house and it's beautiful. Um, and, um, you know, Mike Ablon has told everybody since basically the day after the, <laughs> the last election that he was in for the next time. Um, and I, I think Peter Brodsky is quietly telling people he's going to run. Um, and, you know, um, it, it's possible that somebody um, with some skins on the wall, a real like seasoned person like a Helen Giddings might do it, something like that. But they're going to be a bunch. So they should have pulled those names also just for the purpose of seeing where things really were. But the, the big takeaway was Eric Johnson... I don't know if you have it in front of you. It's like 36%. 30, yeah, I do have it. So uh, the, the Dallas voters were voted on mayor in 2023. Dallas mayor, this was the poll question. 
Dallas Merrick Johnson is expected to seek re-election. Retiring Dallas ISD school superintendent Michael Hinojosa also is considering running. In that hypothetical matchup, who would you vote for, Johnson or Hinojosa? 32.8% said Johnson. 32.8. Yeah, 23.8 said Hinojosa. 7.8% said someone else. 34% said they were undecided. And 1.6% said refused to answer the question. The margin of error is, is plus or minus 4.4 percentage point. It was a poll conducted by Suffolk University and the Morning News. Uh, they talked to 500 Dallas residents, um, 18 years of age or older, um, residing in all 14 of the council districts. I'm not a when statistician, I at, but I don't associate a 500 person poll with a 4.5% margin of error. I yeah. feel like that. I feel like they're understating the margin of error there. But in any case, <clears throat> the people who published this. So I saw many Johnson allies retweeting this and promoting this as though this was positive, as, as though this were positive for Eric. And it's anything but. Um, yeah, 32, the that stuck out to, yeah, 34% undecided was the one that stuck out to me. Well, and there's no such thing as right. an undecided voter on an incumbent politician. There just yeah. isn't. That doesn't exist. You have to count all of those as against Eric Johnson. This poll, barring some crate, you know, there it, that it's so early, it's too early. And this is the problem. There will be something between now and when people have to actually make this decision that will change their minds one way or another. So it's a little crazy to take the poll that early, but if this holds or even close to holds, he's fucked. I mean, this is extraordinarily bad. This is like 60% of people don't want him anymore. Um, and that, that's, that is catastrophic for an incumbent. These numbers should be more along the lines of he's at 50-ish, 55%, something like that. Right. Or even if he was at 45. Right. And within that. Right. That would be better. Than It'd be better. It wouldn't be great. You got to You got to be winning if you're the incumbent, because people, you know, your record is the one that's out there and nobody else has started campaigning yet. You're the incumbent. You've been campaigning the whole time. So the only thing that's going to happen is that number is going to erode once people start actually campaigning. So I this is a this is underreported because I think people who comment on stuff like this are a little bit more reticent to do so than I am. I, I read that poll as a disaster for Eric Johnson. You know, but but, I, but also it, yeah. it's like, what is his record? What are people supposed to be excited about? Well, and, and that's what I think is interesting. So, of some of the other questions they had asked on the poll, you know, one of them was. Uh, that the mayor has created a committee to recruit new professional sports teams with an emphasis on placing a minority-owned team in historically Black Southern Dallas, um, saying that Dallas needs an NFL expansion team, and asked the question, do you support Dallas having a second NFL team? The responses to that were 42.6% yes, 45.6% no, 10.8% undecided. I don't know about people that you talk to, uh, Philip, that's nowhere near 50-50 in the people that I talk to as to whether or not they think that's a thing that Dallas needs. No, and you know, I thought, I rarely agree with Jerry Jones, rarely. <laughs> um, but his, his, you know, his comment, and it was 
it, it was low key brutal. It wasn't like straight up brutal, but said the mayor was out of his depth. Oh, that's another one where if, 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 you know, if it got published that I was out of my depth, I think uh, I, that I would have, I would have to spend a week in bed. I mean, there's, yeah, there's no way that the most wealthy or the, I guess the, the highest valued franchise in all of professional sports would welcome another franchise in its city, right? Like that's just an insane no one I wouldn't think would choose to do that. That would seem like a crazy thing for Jerry Jones to to choose to do. Part of me wonders if the if the results were closer because of the way that they had phrased the question, right? A minority owned team being in historically black Southern Dallas, people might go, well, yeah, I could get behind that thing has how um, I think there is maybe one NFL owner of color um, currently, right? Maybe that is part of it. Um, you know, so that was an interesting cross tab. The other ones they talked about, you know, were asking folks to rank the biggest issue facing the city of Dallas today. The top issue, of course, was crime. Now, the mayor uh, and the police chief uh, have gone around touting how they have you know, made they're trying to make Dallas, quote unquote, the safest city in America um, and touted their big wins on that front and went and testified to Congress about how great they've done at that. But there was a story the next day that talked about how we're somewhere like 20 murders ahead of where we were at this time last year, um, that overall violent crime is down due to a decrease in sexual uh, cases, right, uh, which are underreported already. But that murders are up by like 20, like there have been 15 or 20 murders at this point this year than there was at this point last year. And we're even ahead of the year that we set the record for murders. And it's not even summer. Today's the first day of, of summer. Um, well, and, you know, hold the phone. We didn't set any record for murders a couple of years ago. We set a record that would go, that would stretch back about 18 years. Well, yeah, for, yeah. Like when I moved to Dallas, uh, yeah, 500 murders a year was like a so, so that was kind of normal. Um, so you know, uh, things things are better overall. And you know, so anytime you pull any group of people, they're always going to say crime is the number one thing. And the reason they say that is because we have an entire industry in this country that we've talked about of making people scared of crime, even though the truth is. We have some crime in Dallas, but it's all in very predictable places that aren't where you live, you know? And people who live in East Dallas and report hearing gunshots every night, I'm like, you know, uh, a person who lives in East Dallas who thinks there's gunshots every night, just fucking move to the suburbs, please. I'll kindly clear out so that we can have some normal urban people in here. Um, Was that gunshots or fireworks? I saw a fox in the neighborhood. I mean, they're, yeah, yeah. So it's the next door syndrome. We've discussed it at length, but it's it, it, taking a poll like this and asking about, you should just like not even ask the crime question. You shouldn't even allow it as like a response um, because it's just this knee jerk thing. And what it, it's just related to a background level of zeitgeist noise um, that doesn't mean anything. Nobody's changing behavior based on somebody's crime plan. I mean, and this is going to come as a big shock to Eric in his reelection campaign that his efforts on crime 
aren't going to mean shit to anybody. It's going to be very shocking to him because even for people for whom that is like a big deal, they consider it to be like hygiene and they don't reward people for exceptional performance on crime fighting. They just don't. Um, you got to be more creative than that. Well, especially when the main issue of the runoff, right, was Eric Johnson saying there's no crime problem. Say that we had a crime problem in Dallas, right? Yeah. And then he's going to run on all he's done to clean up crime when, again, we, we have more murders than we did a year ago. I almost wonder if the, if this was a free response question to and how some of the responses are, because like inequality, income inequality, and poverty are all ranked out as separate things on here, right? Um, and so part of me wonders if, if this was just, you know, somebody said, hey, what do you think, what do you think the biggest issue facing of Dallas is? And it was just like, people could just say something, right? And they tried to group it as best as they could, because those things to me would seem like they probably are in the same homelessness, right? Um, affordable, like those are all parts of the same family of, of issue clusters. Um, despite, you know, then 66% of those polled saying that they rank Dallas as an excellent or good place to live. <laughs> um, <clears throat> an excellent or good place to live with terrifying, cripplingly terrifying crime that we, we have no idea where it, it, people are just, that's the other <laughs> thing about these polls is like, you're not going to get a likely voter poll um, that is more disconnected from the actual electorate than in a Texas municipal uh, race. Just because the actual, and TC and I have talked about this at, at length, the actual municipal voters in Dallas are a weird bunch of people. Um, they're super insidery for a, in, in large measure. They skew massively older than the, than the actual you know, median population. They, it, they skew massively whiter than they ought to, <laughs> you know? And so it gives us, it gives us some of this decision-making, like a November electorate in the city of Dallas is a pretty blue electorate with some pretty mainstream kind of center left leanings. And I would say at best, the municipal electorate in Dallas is, mm, call it, who are we talking about? <clears throat> they're, <clears throat> they're Kirsten Cinema voters. They're Mike Bloomberg voters. They're a little fucked up. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, I mean, a very, and this too, I think was just 500 residents, right? It doesn't say anything about likely voters or registered right. voters, right? It's just 500 people. Um, You're going to have and, massive, yeah, I mean, it, so I'm, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth in a way. The results are horrible for Eric. They're also meaningless. Yeah, right. They, they certainly don't belie uh, that this that it's a cakewalk necessarily for him. I think a lot of it does probably depend on who ends up running, right? And, and what sort of folks can cobble together. Well, I think <clears throat> this will be fun. It's June 21st, 2022. The filing for the the 2023 mayoral race is going to close on on or about february 15th whatever the monday is um of 2023 
And I, you know, I'm, I think I'm probably the first out of the bag. I'm going to, I'm going to go and predict the field. Eric Johnson, Michael Enosa, Lynn McBee, Mike Avalon, Peter Brodsky, Helen Giddings. Not Philip Kingston. <laughs> no. <laughs> that was the, I, uh, when we were talking about the nose earlier. That's a real no. That wasn't uh, at this time. No, I couldn't even win my own house. <laughs> uh, early, yeah, very early. It'll be interesting. We'll have to uh, have fo- or folks, the listeners, uh, you know, jot those names down, and when the filing time comes, let us know. Well, and realistically, no one's going to announce until after November, right? Probably. We have to get through that. No, no, there's always somebody dumb who goes first. And, you know, that's what they say. The the one who goes first is the dumbest. Um, So there's going to be somebody dumb enough to go first. And that'll probably happen September, October. Mm -hmm. But yeah, waiting until after November is is the chalk. That's the conventional wisdom because nobody's going to pay attention to you until until after november anyway and that that could be right um the 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 reverse of that is people already know you're running so you go ahead and announce so you can you can officially start raising money that was going to be my question too what are the fundraising rules for it's you know it's five thousand dollar limits for uh individuals and ten thousand dollars for packs um and and for reasons that have to do with historical shenanigans and the fact that lawyers write everything, uh, limited partnerships can also give ten thousand dollars. <laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but re- real estate developers have a lot of limited partnerships, mm-hmm. and lawyers are mm-hmm. organized in limited partnership law firms a lot of times. So uh, could have something to do with how those and are, limits are get there set. different fundraising periods and how Dallas does it. Is there a before it, this date it, or after that, this date? Or that limit is a two-year limit. It's per cycle. So um, between uh, and it runs June to June. So you, you have to keep track of all these bizarre calendars in your mind when you do local politics in Dallas. It runs from the inauguration date in June to the next inauguration date two years later. Um, no one understands why it's not a four-year period for the mayor, but it's not, um, just the way we wrote the rules. So in that two-year period, you can't exceed $5,000 per person or $10,000 per authorized entity. And regular corporations cannot uh, contribute anything. They're, they're zero. So um, the, it, you know, may, the mayor's race has become a, you know, to be in the game, you need half a million uh, to run the minimally credible campaign. Um, I think Rawlings is the record holder for his second election, uh, spent 3.2. I think that was right. And he had, I mean, he had a period, he had this short period of like 30 days or 40 days one time where he raised $2 million. And it's just like, a, it's a, it, it, he was, I, I, I very few good things to say about dear Prolific old Mike. fundraiser. 
but prolific fundraiser, I don't think anybody can challenge him on that. I mean, raising that in five and $10,000 chunks is, is a little bit of a trick, man. Well, and weird, and I, you know, and I asked about the, the timelines, right, to get super into the weeds, because right for federal offices, there's a, there's a primary period, right, and then there's mm -hmm. a general election filing period, and people can make donations during those two, those two windows. But this is one window over the course of a two-year one, but it sounds like there are some ways around that creative ways around that. Well, I mean, it's the same ways that apply everywhere. Yeah. There's bundling, yeah. um, but for bundling, you still have to have people, you know, you mm -hmm. have to have people who are willing to say, yeah, that's my $5,000. Um, you know, uh, it's so none of that is to me, I, I never clutch my pearls when somebody bundles a bunch of money. I mean, uh, that's what the rules say that you're allowed to do. Oh, and yeah. so why why are we so, you know, tut tut when someone takes advantage of the rules we fucking wrote, you know? Um, and I, I just, I've never understood, and I've never understood politicians who get criticized for it and then like give the money back. What the fuck's wrong with you? Never give the money back. Unless they can prove it was actual Chinese communists, don't give the money back. Or the live tour for golf, you know, <laughs> directly from the Saudis. We don't like it if it's athletes. If it's politicians or other entities, we're okay with it, but just not for professional golfers. The <laughs> Saudi Arabia bad for, for golf. Anything else, Philip, going on in uh, the worlds of, of Dallas? There's a ton, but um, that's kind of what the... Another. Yeah. Well, well, let's tease ahead because this this shit is not it's not baked enough yet for the podcast, but we're going to have we'll probably have uh, a, new, a guest on to discuss this. But the 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 city is in is about to start debating short term rental regulation in earnest. And the way it has been handled to this point is in itself a story uh, and not a good one, not one that's going to make you feel good about how local government operates. Uh, so that that's coming up. Um, we should let people get angrier about it first. Um, and believe me, that is going to be the outcome. <laughs> There's going to be some anger. Um, there are there are two or three other things like that, but that's probably enough tease for uh, the next time. And and you know the next I don't know we might have to figure out what we're doing in July because the council's not going to be giving us a lot of fodder for well our unless things stuff. are just rolling on the the TC Rodnax Eric Johnson one hundred day, day alliance, which uh, one hundred days from today I I googled it Thursday September the 29th, Dallas will be fixed. So, we need to we need to calendar that so that we can we we can be the source of accountability for Dallas city politics. Yeah, yeah I'm gonna I, put a reminder in my calendar now that September 29th, <laughs> Dallas is fixed. Yeah, I think we're good for this week. This feels like sufficient value for the listener. Now, I'll tell you, early on, we were I was having some issues on this end with this uh, piece of garbage software that TC made me buy. Not. TC Broadnex, but TC Fleming. So I'm going to have to do TC some... from Magnum PI. He wasn't involved in the sale either. No, was not at all. <laughs> and uh, it, the uh, 
uh, I'm going to have to do some careful editing. So hopefully I will not have lost too much of our witty and urbane discussion of the most bizarre uh, week of absolutely nothing ultimately happening <laughs> that we've seen in a while. Much ado about nothing. Yeah, great career for insomnia. Folks are looking for something to do tonight. Reading <laughs> the really, really, really long memo from Tristan, <laughs> written by Tristan for Eric and TC is a uh, great bedside reading. Yeah, TC Fleming, I sent him the memo and he sent me back a meme that said, yeah, I ain't reading all of that. I'm sorry that <laughs> happened to you, or I'm really glad for you, whichever. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Well, peace for our time. All right. I stopped. I really am going to have to do something with this thing. It, the, the beginning of this is going to be choppy, but I think I can piece it back together. Yeah. Well, yeah, with our fun files and all of that jazz.